0: Hey everyone, it is on the line, it's Tuesday, October 11th, and today's show will bring you more of the stuff you love, including an interview with a stellar runner from Florida, a boatload of analysis and opinions, and we'll get to what happened last week, plus much, much more. Uh, if you if you listen to us uh, on Spotify or any other network, please make sure to follow us and give us a rating and let us know how we're doing. Uh, I am Corey Mall here with Olivia Ekbenay and Ashley Titians, my wonderful co-hosts. Ladies, how are y'all doing?
1: Doing great. How about you, Corey?
0: <laughs> fantastic. I uh, I added to the Halloween uh, decorations along with uh, Kathleen. We, we we went a little overboard, Ooh. so it's wow.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's getting up there.
1: It's it's we're in the depths of spooky season now
0: for sure. Mm-hmm. Olivia, <laughs> you were in New York this weekend. How was it?
2: It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. It was amazing. I love the atmosphere at the manhattan college cross-country invitational i must say if you're ever at the courtland park there is lloyd's carrot cake right across the street i heard through the grapevine that is the place to go after the meat i stood in line for 20 minutes it was totally worth it so good
0: and we're we're, we're big pizza fans here obviously (laughs) we we were discussing this pizza burgers what what food beyond the carrot cake obviously we like dessert too but Pizza, burger, anything? I
2: did did have a pizza the night of the cross country meet and customer service was great. I cannot remember the name of the place. I've had better pizza. And especially when we went to New Bounds National Indoors, there is a bomb pizza place around the corner from the Armory. So I'm looking forward to going back there at some point to grab some pizza. But yeah, the carrot cake really was the home run for me this weekend.
0: Okay, all right fantastic well we're always in for the food reviews here at on the line but we also talk about cross country and track and field and today we have an interview with tallahassee leon jr patrick coon an electric talent who's coming off a course record i think on his home course at appalachia appalachia regional park in tallahassee with the time of fourteen fifty. that won him the annual fsu pre-state invitational previously in september patrick ran florida's second fastest 5k ever in Alabama at John Hunt Park, fourteen forty three at the S- Southern Showcase. Right now in the season, he's a perfect four for four and has much more ahead in the season. And he's only a junior too. So Patrick, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you?
3: Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you guys?
0: We we are fantastic. Obviously, we're talking about food. I think we're getting a little hungry. But <laughs> let's start with you with FSU pre-state. You know, it was a big race on the calendar for you. One of your biggest races of the season so far. What was different about Saturday's run than all your previous performances at, at ARP and what was special about your win?
3: Um, I think it was just, you know, a performance for me that I've been building on these last couple of years. Um, I think I knew coming into junior year, it's uh, it's a big year. It's um, a year to showcase how strong you've become. And uh, I think uh, what was different this year is just how much I've matured as a runner compared to previous years. And I just got, I, I uh, got the opportunity to showcase that on Saturday.
0: Now, now is Arp your your home home course or do you have something else at Leon?
3: Uh yes sir that is our home co- uh, our home course. I think I've been running there since I was like 7 years old so I've done oh, I've done a lot of races on that course.
0: <laughs> what's your favorite section? Like I you know like the back of your hand what's the part of Arp that you really start like hammering on?
3: Um I would say my favorite part of the course is after the first time you go up the wall and then you make a left that's around Uh, halfway through the race that's when everyone's you know tired going up the wall for the first time and that's a good place to make your move on everyone
0: absolutely a long long grassy straightaway too as you make your way around the second um the loop all right so you've racked up four wins on the season and each one it seems has been a little bit bigger in your mind what's been your most impressive race this year and why
3: um this year i would definitely say saturday i would say the first two were kind of you know just getting into the swing of things and then the one at Huntsville obviously was a, a great performance, but I think you know just um, the time and uh, performance that I had on Saturday was, I would say, better than the one I had um, at John Hunt Park. Um, I would definitely say that one was the most impressive. And um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward for, uh looking forward to more as well.
2: So Patrick, as you mentioned, like you've been, you know, this course like the back of your hand. So why is it important to just go out there at? ARP course, and not only just win pre-state, but also lay down a really amazing new course record.
3: Uh, Yeah, it it was great to experience the person who uh, had the course record before actually ran at Leon and set it back in uh, 2013. So it it was pretty special to not only set the course record, but um, set it from someone that was also a Leon runner. So I I thought it was just really special to be able to, you know, set a course record, but also, you know, kind of keep it in the same Leon family.
2: Yeah, uh, Ashley's gonna ask you a follow up question on that. So I'm interested to hear your response to that. But just kind of thinking about your race as a whole, over the course of the cross country races you've been running in, what are some of the areas of your race that you've really been focusing on? And maybe just specifically this weekend, like, are you focusing more on the beginning of your race, the middle the end, and especially now as you move into the postseason, like things are about to get, you know, really in heavy competition mode. So what are you focusing on just kind of moving forward?
3: Um, yeah, uh, past Saturday, I think a big part that I focused on was that second mile. Um, I think I had a really good second mile. And that's something I'll look forward to um, continuing to be able to do. But uh, going forward, I think, you know, a big part of championship racing is holding on that second half of the race and just, you know, um, matching moves when other people make moves. So that's something that I'll be looking um, forward on doing is uh, when other people make a move at like two or two and a half that I'll be able to stick with them.
1: Now, Patrick, like you mentioned, a former Leon runner from your own high school held this previous course and meet record, uh, Suki Kosla. And you actually posed with him afterward, after the race, and you know, what did it mean to share that moment, you know, with the, you know, someone from your own school, the former record holder and course record holder?
3: Uh it, it was a great, you know, experience because ever since I've I uh I've known about Leon and their um you know, great tradition of running. I've kind of looked, I've looked up to him and he's kind of, you know, almost taken me under his wing. He's, you know, very encouraging. You know, he'll stump, he'll sometimes come out and run with us. So it's just, you know, great that he's so supportive of me and um, I really look up to him. So, you know, it was great for him to be there and uh, to witness me breaking his record. And he was, you know, very supportive after the race and just very proud of me. So I think, you know, that, that's something that's very, very special. And um, I don't, it was just great to experience.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like, you know, kind of a Leon tradition of sorts of excellence and cross-country running there. Now, last season, you were on the cuff of breaking 15 minutes for 5K, but you've already done it twice this season in back-to-back races. You know, what's been that biggest adjustment that you've made going into the season that's helped propelled you to those two sub-15s, you know, early on in the season?
3: Um, I think it's just, you know, it comes with maturing as an athlete. I think, you know, Um, I'm a little bit, um, more matured as an athlete. I think, you know, um, just, you know, focusing on certain parts of the race, 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 I'm a little bit better and, um, I'm able to, you know, work, uh, push that second mile a lot more. And I think that just comes with, you know, the year from sophomore to junior year, it's a big jump and, um, hopefully going forward, I'll have, you know, more performances like the ones I've had these last two races.
0: Now Patrick, it's getting kind of crazy out there in the world of cross country uh, in high school. You're you're just a junior, but like this sport's changing. It seems dramatically every year. You know, 120 kids broke 15 minutes last year alone at 5K, which is incredible. Like we had not seen that 5 years ago. So it's sort of this new sort of, uh, you know, arms race to run faster and faster and faster. The barrier for success is getting a little bit faster for you. um, How do you feel about that? Like, I mean, how do you look at times versus performances?
3: Um, You know, it is interesting because, you know, they're obviously all courses aren't treated the same. And, um, you know, a, a time, especially in the Northeast courses, you know, running, times up there is a lot different than, you know, running a course in Texas. So you do have to look at it through that lens. But as a whole, I think the sport, you know, has gotten a lot faster over the past couple of years. I mean, guys are just running some incredible times. So I, I kinda use that myself. Like, okay, I ran these I ran these times, which are pretty good. But I mean, look at all these other performances. So I I think it keeps, you know, runners on their toes and always, you know, striving to improve. But um yeah, I mean, the, the, the sport has changed you know, drastically and just so many guys are running so many fast times. So it just kind of keeps me humble. I do
0: have a follow up to that. I mean, even like 10, 15 years ago, it used to be that you were content competing within your state and really being the best in your state. But now it's you kind of have to travel. You kind of have to see guys in other places. You know, you go to Alabama to race against guys from that region, not just Florida. Um, Why is it important to face the best guys in the nation, you know, regular season and and then postseason too?
3: Um, I think it just, you know, shows that you're able to perform with the best of the best. I mean, you know, uh, the state of Florida, it's, uh, you know, pretty good at running, um, very good at running. And there's many great teams and individuals. But I think it, you know, shows that you're able to compete with, you know, others from, you know, the southeast. Like um, when I went to Alabama, there'll, there'll probably be many guys that I'll be facing at, either NXR or uh, East Bay South. So just knowing that I'm able to compete with them there and knowing that I'll be able to compete with them later, you know, brings me confidence. But yeah, it it is always great to travel, you know, uh, face new faces um, and just improve your, you know, savviness as a runner.
2: Yeah, you definitely have been rising to the occasion every time you step onto the line. So for you, Patrick, just kind of thinking of the season as a whole, maybe entering the season or maybe even now, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're having to endure at this moment?
3: Um, at this moment, I would I would probably say just, you know, not getting caught up in what other people run. I think oftentimes with, you know, social media, like Flow Track and MileSplit, everyone's posting these great performances like this guy just ran, you know, 1432 or something crazy like that. It's, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, kind of you know down on yourself like man there's so many great guys out there but I think that's something that I'll look uh, you know hopefully be able to do is just kind of stay true to myself and not you know be affected by other guys running some great times and just know that you know when it comes in a race that I can compete with those guys and just staying confident in myself.
1: Now I have a follow-up to that so do you purposely kind of like try to Stay on the down low on the social media, not try to get caught up in that. You know, I know some people, like high schoolers, are all in for that, but then others, you know, don't like that pressure. How would you describe yourself with social media?
3: Um, you know, I would say I'm not too bad at it. I will find myself, you know, on looking at speed ratings quite often, but um, I'm trying to, you know, look at, you know, compare myself less and less. But um, you know, it, it is good to know you, you know, uh, kind of know what type of talent is out there and know, okay, this these guys are might be your competitors uh, later on in the season. But it's also good to kind of, you know, make sure you're not getting caught up in it and getting down on yourself. So um, I'll definitely, you know, keep track of results. But I think going forward, I'm going to try to do less of it just to make sure that I don't get in my own head.
1: For sure. Now, Patrick, I, I ask this question a lot on this show. For the distance runners, are you a track guy or an XC guy? Which one is it?
3: Probably a cross country guy. I think I just, you know, love cross country and, you know, just rolling on grass and competing with guys. Track is great. And I, and I really enjoy it. But I think my strengths play towards cross country a little bit more.
1: I know you say you like cross country more, but you have had a lot of success on the track. You know, last year was your first time competing at track nationals. You finished fifth in the 5K and sixteenth in the two mile at New Balance Nationals Outdoor. You know, what was that experience like? You know, kind of seeing your talent unfold against you know others on the national stage for track.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was a great experience. I think running at um, the University of Pennsylvania Stadium it was very cool because. You know, obviously pen relays are there, and it's and it's very historic. But um, you know, just going there and competing with guys that I've never raced against, and um, on an event that I've never done before, the five thousand on the track, it was kind of you know great to showcase what I'm able to do against you know some really talented guys. Um, and then the next uh, the next day, the two mile double, that was a little uh, rough. I don't know if I'll be doing that moving forward, but it was some good experience. Um, you know, just racing that uh, mixing it up with you know the top guys in the nation on the track.
1: Yeah, that five k two mile double—that's that's pretty painful. But kudos to you, <laughs> um, you yeah. know. But you also have that nationals experience on cross country as well. You ran at East Bay last year, and you know, what's one thing that you learned, you know, competing at that meet last year and at Balboa Park?
3: Oh man, that course—that uh, course defeated me. That was that was a really <laughs> tough experience. But I think, you know, moving forward, uh, I've, I've certainly learned from it. Um, incorporate, you know, more hills and uh, try to attack those hills on my my daily runs. And it also helped me kind of give me perspective on how a season unfolds and that, you know, the national meets are very important and that um, kind of shifted my season downwards a little bit and not focus so much on the earlier meets and kind of, you know, keep building throughout the season is something that I'm, you know, working on doing this season to be um, hopefully more successful at those national meets. But um, that was also a great experience also to realize just, just how talented Um, the nation is because I think that really that was a humbling experience but it was also a a great opportunity to meet a lot of really cool guys and fast runners so it was fun but it was definitely um, a humbling experience on that course.
2: At least you're able to walk away with some experience as you mentioned Patrick and just see the light out of you know it's a very tough course that is for sure but at least now moving forward you have that in your back pocket so what I'm curious about is what is training like in Tallahassee. What are the best things about it, and what are some of those not so good things about training in Tallahassee?
3: Well, the good thing about Tallahassee is it has so many you know great trails to run at. I mean, I don't I've been to other places, and I say Tallahassee is you know uh, it's it's very lucky to have the amount of you know great trails uh, that I'm able to run at. I think I could run at a different place, uh, a new soft surface trail for probably you know three weeks in a row. There's that many you know, amazing places to run. But um, uh, on the downside, it does get very, very hot and humid over the summer. So that can make, you know, runs a little bit brutal, especially since um, at the start of the school year and uh, we practice in the afternoons. So those can get a little brutal. But, um, you know, it does kind of make up for it on the on the great places that we're able to run.
0: Teaches you to be mentally tough. I'm curious about Balboa Park. Obviously, you know, the hill, you face that twice on the course. Is that the hardest part at Balboa for you or or is there another deceiving area with with that course that you feel like, you know, kind of swoops, you know, athletes away? I I know some it's a very like there's a lot of turns uh, and it opens up pretty quick each race and people kind of get swept up by that pace early on. Well, for you at Balboa, like what do you feel like is the most difficult part about it?
3: Um, yeah, the hills were obviously very difficult, but I would say the most, you know, the, the hardest factor for me at least was it never really feels like you can get uh, rolling on it and getting your rhythm because yeah. it is like changing surfaces so much and, you know, going from like the little wood chips to some gravel surfaces and you're crossing roads. So it is it is hard, you know, to, uh, to get a rhythm like at the ARP, you know, you can get in your rhythm pretty quickly and just roll you along. But there you, you really can't. It's hard to get in your rhythm and the hills just make it, you know. A lot worse so um but hopefully that's something this year that i'll be able to you know uh tackle a little bit differently
0: definitely all right patrick one last question now in coastal towns around florida you'll see the sticker salt life on a lot of cars like living that salt (laughs) life in tally from what i gather it's it's nicknamed tally right or do do people in Mm -hmm. tallahassee say they're 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 from tally like what tell me something special about tallahassee about living there and what's it mean to be from from
3: Tally? Um, What what it means to be from Tallahassee is I think you know I think it's the people in Tallahassee. You know we're we're a, we're a decent sized city, um, but that yet the people here are also really really nice. It's not like you know you're from New York where a stereotype is maybe people are a little bit you know rude to you. Um, here from Tallahassee, it's it's a it's a it's a close knit community, especially in the running community, and it feels like you know everyone's connected. So I think that's one of the, the great things about Tallahassee Fantastic.
0: or Tally. Tally. <laughs> Fantastic. Patrick, thank you so <laughs> much. Um, yeah, you've had a wonderful season so far, and you got plenty more coming ahead. So best of luck to that, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right. That was Patrick Kuhn of Tallahassee. Leon, a great interview. And we're going to see a lot more of him and those runners from the, the southeast as they move forward into their seasons. Let's move on to our next segment, our weekly one, The Weekend That Was. Here's all that went down across the US this week in XC. And we're gonna start with Olivia because she was at Manhattan. I think she's got some thoughts about it. So Olivia, what are your thoughts on Manhattan?
2: Oh my gosh. It was my first time being at the Manhattan cross country uh, invitational. It was an amazing experience. I kind of, I understood what it was about. Like there's always something happening. And I was explaining it to Ashley, cause Ashley hasn't been up there either. Like imagine three races happening all at one time. So you just think about it. Like one group of individuals are finishing the race. Another group is out there in the woods. And then you have another group that's kicking things off. So it's constantly, there's A cross-country race happening at all times from 9 a.m. all the way to 4 p.m. And there were um, so many amazing people there from Hoka, individuals showcasing themselves. Luis, who is the fourth place finisher at Worlds in the 5K, he was there. had a chance to just talk with him as well and just connect with him. And he was so happy to be there, give back to the community in a different way. And honestly, just the races were fantastic. So great atmosphere, that's for sure
0: fantastic louis g we're a big fan of him he went to armaho high school in california graduated in 2017 uh big time there but you know obviously we focus on the elite races for you i think you you're kind of looking at some of the best competitors they had good days uh you know can you go into maybe who who kind of um performed at a high level for you at manhattan
2: Yes, I know entering this meet, there were big two storylines happening. Devin Kipiego going after Ed Cheserwick's record, but also the Eastern Championship on the girls side would, was completely loaded. What ended up happening was Carrie Bologa was able to run away with the victory here. 1355 was what she stopped the clock at at 4K, which was the number six all time on the VCP cor- course, and she ran the eighth high school she became the eighth high school girl to break 14 minutes on this course. Now I had a chance to talk with her after her race and I was like, Hey, talk to me. What, where have you been? Like the last 365 days, like compare yourself to where you were last year, to where you are now, like 1355, that is a huge performance for you. And she suffered an iron deficiency last year and just entering this, this year, she felt very, very strong. And even coming down that home stretch, she was like, I was just so proud of myself. I was kind of doing it for myself this weekend, and she ran away with the victory. Zeriel Machia had a great performance. We're going to dive into her a little bit later in the show, and she finished second. And Kate Putman and her sister really did a great job. It was a fantastic Eastern championships on the girl side. Now, to kind of recap on what happened with Devin Kipiego, I also had a chance to talk with him before and after his race. He, we've been thinking about Devin Kipiego weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and he's made it clear like he was going after Ed Cesare's 1155 record he clocked a 1215 to win the eastern championships even though he came up just short of this record he did smash the state record for rhode island with a 1230 and so that was really impressive for him and i know for him you know he's just coming off a another record-breaking performance last a couple weeks ago and so for for devon he was just looking to get after it and just couldn't put all the pieces together but he's using this weekend as a learning experience and he's looking forward to see uh what he can do in the races to come
0: yeah 193 speed rating for Devin, which is really really good it puts him in i think top 10 before this week's performances so it's probably going to put him top 15 and i think we just did the national rankings he was right there at 10 so kind of right there um a lot of races left for Devin to prove himself but uh great stuff there did you want to comment on uh I think we're going to move to actually actually with FSU pre-state obviously Patrick got into that uh and it was a big race uh there at ARP um what were some of your thoughts here
1: yes obviously we just spoke to Patrick Kuhn who had that insane race there at FSU pre-state invitation but let's go back and kind of look at the race as a whole So, like we said, Kuhn runs 1450 to break that course record and the meet record to win the Boys Field. As you can see, look at that cool drone shot there of the course, lots of grass there. Shout out
0: to Brennan Miles on that.
1: Honestly, yeah, like that drone footage, so cool. It gives you great perspective. You know, he just became just the second high school boy to ever dip under 15 minutes on that 5K course, 192 speed rating. He's now undefeated this season so far, coming off that big 1443 win in PR at the Southern Showcase. He's currently ranked number 17 on the Miles with 50 rankings, and we'll continue to see his stock rise. Now on the girls' side, we saw Eliana Black, the fab freshman for Cambridge Christian. She took the win in 1739, won by a solid 24 seconds, so she got you know a pretty good gap on the field to take the win there. Now in the team race for the boys. It was Bell and Jesuit all the way. Guys, this team is legit. They scored 85 points for the team win, took the win by a whopping 62 points. On the girls' side, it was a similar dominant team race where you had Pont-Verdre winning with a race low 177 points. Can
3: I
0: comment on Bell and real quick? Yeah. Uh, they did run at the Southern Showcase earlier in the season, and I mean, they, they struggled there. They, they were not one of the top teams, I think, and to come back at FSU and really put down a performance, I think... It, shot them right back up in the the Florida rankings um any other thoughts about so beginning the season isn't necessarily where teams always end up right how you perform in August and September doesn't really matter by November right it's what you do down the season right
1: yeah that's right I mean sometimes like you said maybe that Southern showcase was kind of a wake-up moment for them like maybe we're like oh shoot maybe we need to change some things maybe we need to change our approach and maybe that kind of them to come together as a team and really change that mindset going into this race at fsu pre-state and now this has to be a huge confidence booster for them going into you know states and nationals as well
0: yeah. they were third behind jesuit and farragut which is a good performance overall but obviously when you come in national rank you want to kind of perform and challenge for the win jesuit's obviously the number one team after our latest miles but 50 rankings um Alaska State Championships, uh, you know, this is becoming maybe one of your favorite states, uh, Ashley. I mean, you did a great feature this week. Uh, if you haven't read it, definitely go on MileSplit and check it out. It's a wonderful story about Haynes High School. Talk to me about Alaska this week.
1: That's right. I, I kind of want to go to Alaska now just to just to they, – they're all in for cross-country, like you mentioned earlier this week. Um, you know, I talked to the program at Haynes High School, which is in rural South um, – west alaska and they were really excited so go check that out on mile split but it was our first state meet of the season this weekend in alaska and we saw three champions defend their 2021 titles you had haynes high school they took the d3 girls title team title then you had the grace christian squad winning the division two boys title and david's lewinski winning the individual title also of grace christian for the division two boys and that race proved to be for the um, division two boys it was perhaps one of the best, you know, tightest races of the whole weekend. You had Lewinsky and Homer Seamus McDonough. He, they ran the entire way, even if you look at their splits in the race. Like, they were right there with each other at every mile. But it was just, you know, Lewinsky came away, you know, a couple seconds in the last mile to take the win there, 1555 to 1557 for second. And then we also had a couple more historic storylines. In the Division One girls, Grace, you had – Shugi X Campbell Peterson, she was undefeated on the season, continues that undefeated streak by winning the state title there and led her team to an undefeated season as a team as well. And then in the division boys race, the division one boys race, we had a one, two, three sweep by Colony, which is the first such sweep in Alaska state history. So, I mean, there was all sorts of stuff to talk about there. And one last final note. So... Haynes High School has been a team that they won state titles, both boys and girls, in 2019 and 2020, 2021. In each of those past two years, when they won, their whole community—it's like a 1,700-person community through like a parade, like through the, the streets. If you go to the Haynes High School YouTube account, you can find video of it. And now that the girls won um, in 2022, today at 10:30, and you know, in Alaska. Um, they're gonna have another community-wide parade, so kind of cool.
0: So it's Friday Night Lights, That's awesome in football in Texas and, and in most places around the country in the fall. For this Alaska town, it's Saturday morning. Xc. That's right. I love it. I love it. <sighs> I started watching this program. I think on ABC called Alaska Daily.
1: Oh, I've heard of it. I've heard <gasps> of it. I've been oh, wanting to start it. ask you if you were watching it. I yeah. Watching it. Che- pretty darn good.
0: I checked it out, and it's about journalism. What you know it hooks me from the start if it's about yeah. journalism.
1: That's Heloise Wank, right?
0: It it does. It does. She's going to watch. All right. We're going to move on to the the Clovis Invitational. Uh, You know, the biggest meet of the weekend, I I think, as far as a nationally ranked program looking to really make a statement. And right there, as you can see, Leo and Lex Young uh, ran really, really well at Clovis here. They went 1-2. Aaron Solomon went 3. And their team racked up a dominating victory at Clovis, pretty much putting the emphatic – point down that they remain the number one team in the country we're just kind of waiting for it we were just just sitting here we're like when will it come and it came uh (laughs) at clovis uh leo young ran 1425 on the course second all time just behind german fernandez's 1424 he was a little less than a second faster than colin Salman's best of 1426 Leo has now run 1425 and 1428 on this course in back-to-back years Lex finished second he went 1431 which is faster than his performance last year but slightly uh slower than his 1430 from states and and then Aaron Salman really came to play and ran 1452 to finish third I think that was a huge moment for him uh Braden Seymour Dev Doshi went four or five I think clearly number one team in the country uh, they they proved it interesting storyline i think for me is looking at california beyond newberry park it gets a little bit more unsure now san Clemente, san clementi finished second in this race on the elite side uh and they were followed by granada i believe and then great oak is there too but great oak traditionally one of the best teams in california boys and girls side they're not necessarily there they're not a lock to you know play second at states or get to the national championships i mean great oak is in a little bit of a flux i think they do need to start racing a little bit better maybe it's just a a rebuilding year for great oak uh but beyond uh, those teams christopher cadillo Ryan Mitchell, Billy Essie, really starting to impress on the individual side. And I think those three will be in the hunt when it comes to qualifying time for for nationals. Um, Any other thoughts from you ladies about the the boys race here at Clovis?
1: I think like you mentioned, I think we pretty much go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. We started talking at the exact same time. (laughs) I think we are all in agreement that like, I mean, Leo and Lex Young, newberry park we were just waiting for it to happen and it happened
0: did leo jump over lex in the national rankings
1: you can find out later this week <laughs> when we drop our <laughs> national rankings update okay
0: i feel like it would be pretty hard not to, to i to mean yeah him yeah up.
1: no i i would agree like i mean he outright beat him so yeah.
0: okay yeah. Mm-hmm. on the girls race hannah thompson uh won by uh 20 seconds here and the interesting part about hannah thompson running at clovis is that she was hoping to face Sadie uh, the one of the best runners in the country. Sadie came down with the flu, was not able to race. Previous to this race, Hannah went to Portland to try to race Kate Peters. Kate Peters was out of that race. So Hannah Thompson has, has come to these situations looking to face the best competition. Doesn't always get it, but she still goes out and and throws down a wonderful performances her first two right there I think 151 and 152 for speed ratings and um she's definitely up there right now as far as the best in the country on the girls side Los Altos High School a girls team that had performed well up to that moment uh ended up winning the actual meet because of Buchanan Sydney Sungram came down with uh, you know a flu, and she wasn't able to race. Their fifth runner wasn't able to finish the actual race. Um, and so Buchanan didn't even score. Um, had she scored, they would have won. But as a result of that, Los Altos jumps up, wins, boom. Uh, Jay Serra was in, in third there. And I think when you look at, again, qualifying, Los Altos has made a big point about being possibly the second best team in California on the girls' side. Jay Serra is right there next to him. Um you know city Angerhart. we'll see her in the future she did not race here but obviously we, we think she's uh, among the best in the country um moving on to nike hole in the wall in washington it was a big setup race in that state in the northwest portland jesuit on the on the boys side gets a big win over west salem and east lake that was huge for them i think this team is slightly underrated at this point um they're undefeated though that all four the first four guys on that team went under 16 minutes Really good win. Zach Munson, who has been training, who trained in Kenya over the summer, won his first major race of the 2022 season in 1455. That was a big one for him. He's back with Seahome performing Uh, at this time last year. He had only raced uh, one time, so he's got plenty more races uh, under his belt this time. Bruce Corbin was second. And then Anna Callahan over Reagan Riley uh, in, in the race there, 732 to 737. Riley's, Riley's Alabama team went all the way up to Washington to perform there. So that's a good experience for them. And then one last thing, Utah State Championships are in two weeks, October 25th, probably our first major state championship on the calendar. And right now in the 6A boys race, American Fork, Riverton, Corner Canyon, Harriman, Lone Peak, Farmington, all these teams realistically – could compete for that state title um river t- or harriman beat riverton uh last wednesday lone peak beat american fork uh last wednesday and that was an upset there so i think we're really starting to see some really interesting storylines develop in utah um where's lone peak stand Did, Any th- i don't know if you want me to move on i can but any other thoughts about utah here on, on the boys side
1: kind of wild i mean like it's basically anyone's game i feel like and it's going to be a matter of who shows up on any given day like when it matters most who's going to put together that team performance that stands out
0: yeah i'm just amazed at like what doug souls has been able to do with harriman yeah i mean truly like first Mm -hmm. year with the Mm -hmm. program first year normally it takes a couple years yep right and he's just locked in with these guys and they're crushing it
1: yeah no adjustment period there at all i mean he sometimes you have to kind of like understand almost like these athletes their headspace and what they're right. going to you know adjust well to training wise and stuff but i mean obviously whatever he's doing is working
0: for sure all right we're going to go briefly to the mile split 50 rankings that the team um standings got updated uh this past week and i think there was some murmurs around newberry park uh, falling <laughs> down in the pecking order uh they went to three after jesuit New Orleans Jesuit went to one. Karma went to two. Um, I mean, obviously, I, you know, what are your – ladies, what are your thoughts on this? Newberry Park dropped the three, you know, because they, I guess, hadn't raced. They hadn't raced. So yeah. any, any thoughts about sort of like Newberry Park and what that says? It didn't say that they're not a great team. It just said, basically, we need to see something from you, right? Any thoughts there?
2: I was waiting for Ashley. I'll kick it (laughs) off. So I I, I must say, like, when we do these rankings, I just want to throw this out there that, yes, they're subjective, but what we look at when it comes to these rankings are head-to-head matchups, the difficulty of the course, and obviously the times play a, a role in it too. And that determines where these teams and the individuals lie as we, you know, interchangeably go through the individuals and then the teams. When it comes to the boys' side, as you mentioned, Corey, we did not see Newberry Park. Like, yes, we know they have talent, But again, when we're looking at it week to week, it's kind of hard to justify when you see, you know, Jesuit really put down a really amazing performance at the Nike Town uh, Cross Country Twilight Invitational. Hence, that's the reason why they moved up to one. And then right behind them, Carmel did a fantastic job and they came second. So it honestly just came down to the wire. So when it talks, when we talk about these rankings across the board for individuals and teams, like there's a lot of factors that kind of play a role into it. And like you mentioned corey we just haven't seen newberry park since they opened up at mermont so that was kind of you know the reason for some changes here and there and obviously they competed this weekend did a great job so now ranking shift from week to week so that's just every, my thought on the every
0: two, weeks, every two weeks
2: Actually,
1: every two weeks excuse me a- yes
0: any yes. other thoughts here
1: yes completely agreed and you know i'd i'd seen some chatter like you know maybe you know there's this idea of rankings and then power rankings you know and like maybe power rankings is you know kind of a good way to look at it like it's these are the programs that at that given moment in time are the ones that have shown the most and earned that spot at that given moment when we you know released those rankings last weekend I mean there was no denying that New Orleans Jesuit and Carmel put together the two top performances of the season and they were I mean they're at that given point that's what, that's what had been done. We hadn't yet seen Newbury Park. And so I think that was, you know, that kind of gives, you know, what that was what we were looking at, I feel like, when we were going into those team rankings.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, one thing to keep in mind, I, I heard – I saw that thread – Two from Let's Run. And it was like, why don't you just like wait a day to see how they do, like, and then rank the teams again? First of all, not not the, how we do it, we product. rank every two weeks and we put it out. Doesn't matter if we want to wait a, a, a day because one team is performing. Um, but I mean, the, the rankings will eventually show themselves. Like the, the teams will show themselves when they perform, and that's essentially what was happening here. I mean. We don't just go strictly on times, right? Team averages is a factor in this, but largely we are looking at at speed ratings. And I, I'll say this: I mean, speed ratings play a tremendous—they uh, are a tremendous factor when we're determining this. Like we we evaluate teams primarily on speed ratings, and then look at the averages and see how they match up, and then we see look at the head-to-head wins too. Um, you know, and I just I just think like they are in itself in itself like they are power rankings we are ranking the the impact uh and the wins of these teams they are national rankings too because we no one else does this other than we have our national rankings they have their national rankings uh but in essence they are power rankings too these are the most powerful teams in the country but um, it was a, a, a controversial, I think, move um, simply because Newberry Park competed uh, the very next day. But I think Newberry Park showed themselves. The other, I think, looking at these beyond Newberry Park, uh, CBA has moved up dramatically to five. Uh, they look really, really mm-hmm. good. Rocky Mountain has moved into the top ten from mm-hmm. Idaho. So we've, we also have some big teams making moves into the rankings. On the girls' side, I think it's pretty much uh, Niwat, Buchanan. Saratoga Springs dropped down, and a lot of that based off performances. So we will see Mm -hmm. uh, next week when the next rankings come out. But, ladies, you have the the individuals coming up on Wednesday and Thursday, correct?
2: That's correct. Yes, that is correct. Awesome. Stay tuned.
0: Cool. (laughs) Stay tuned for more of those. All right, we're going to go next to some of the countries more under the radar athletes. Uh, Maybe not so under the radar anymore. Here are a few athletes that shine tremendously this week Aiden Cox. Zach Munson, Ellie Shea, Hannah Thompson, and Zario uh Phenomenal performances all around. Olivia, tell me a little bit about some some of these athletes and why they have really shown themselves.
2: Yeah, I'm going to kick things off with Zariel Makia just because I, I saw her at the Manhattan meet this past weekend representing William Floyd, just a sophomore. And like I mentioned, last week when we had this conversation, we were like, I feel like Miss Machia was my like wild card player here. I didn't know where she was gonna fit amongst the great competition just because I, I felt like she maybe might have been holding back, just kinda getting her feet underneath her. And then I knew she was gonna put something really great together in this this past weekend, and that she definitely did. She finished second to Carrie Baloga with a fourteen twenty four for four K. So Zario Machia, we, we knew it was in her. And again, once again, we're just waiting for that really Big performance and that she definitely delivered over the weekend and Corey you mentioned a really big name here Ellie Shea from Emerging Elite um she's just been underneath the radar we've been kind of again just just kind of waiting for her to see what she was going to do and she opened up the season on the road at the Boston 10, 10, 10k for women she finished 12th overall amongst a field of two, just over 2,700 runners and she clocked a 34-12 and when you break that down that's back-to-back 5Ks of 17.06. So, Ellie Shea, I feel like, is back and really dropped a really big performance over the re- over the weekend on the road, and I'm excited to see what she does when she hits the cross-country course.
0: It's going to be good, I'll say that. Ashley, what about you? Yep.
1: All right, I know we mentioned him earlier when we were kind of recapping the weekend, but Zach Munson, the Seahome Washington senior, I mean, he just had his best performance of the season this past weekend, winning the Nike Hole in the Wall Invitational running 14.55 for the win there, a 190 speed rating. You know, he's a recent NAU commit. And now he's finally starting to hit his stride, I feel like. Best performance of the season thus far. Now back-to-back first place finishes for him. He wins Hole in the Wall and then won the Nike Twilight Cross Country Invitational the week prior. So I think he's someone that's finally, you know, as we're getting into October, he's really starting to plug away at it, especially when it, you know, comes to all the races that he's got on his schedule. Now i also want to talk about aiden cox of co brown academy so as of today as of right now he is number 25 in the last with 50 rankings and he had his best race of the season thus far this past weekend he ran 1432 to win the battle of the border cross-country invitational in new hampshire he's finally starting to hit his stride after you know he reportedly hit a huge growth spurt over the past year and that you know caused some growing pains guys he went from you know, standing up to at five six to six one like that's crazy like i mean he grew seven inches in the span of like a year and you know reportedly you know dealt with some pains with that and you know now he's come out of that growth spurt and he's ready to race his past three races here in 1520 at manchester for a 191 speed rating 1551 at black bear for 183 speed rating and now has run the us number seven 5k time thus far so i think he's one that's you know finally on our radar
0: I told you to wait on him. I was like I
1: know. I know. It's it's
0: it's tough <laughs> with athletes in the Northeast, especially Aiden because they finish the season with such a like uh, a gust uh, uh you know that they they're obviously he was ranked at I think 5 to
1: start. He was in the top 10. It may have been yeah. 6. Top or 6, ten. 5 yeah. or 6 mm-hmm. for a reason.
0: He ran 14 18 last year. It was incredible. Yep. But he I mean th- th- those teams Aiden they're not going to wow you in august and september um you look across his timeline he he mostly starts or debuts at late september or even in october he doesn't even really get started until at this point so it was always going to be a late start to him you, you com- combine the growth spurt which now he's a completely different runner uh he has a lot of different things you got to worry about but he's more physically imposing he's got a different uh, turnover, I would say, different stride length. I mean, he's dealing with a lot of stuff. Ultimately, I think this might make him a little faster. It might make him more confident. I mean, he can go up head to head with anybody and be like, "Hey, hey, bro, like, I, I can match you one for one." Um, so, I really think Ain Cox is somebody to definitely look out for, and I and I like the fact that he's really starting to roll now. Um, I think he could do some special things come the postseason as well, so I I agree there. Now, moving to Hannah Thompson. We just spoke about her. She is only a sophomore from Santa Rosa, Montgomery in California. Um, As I said earlier, 152 speed rating at Nike, Portland. 151 at Clovis. She is the fourth-rated runner based on speed ratings on Tully Runners. Um, That's not insignificant. Uh, When you look at her, um, she... Largely might be able to compete at that national level. Maybe even steal a win, potentially, I think, when the season comes down to it. The one thing that's really interesting about Hannah is that she's a sophomore. So is Sadie. Mm-hmm. Sadie is also in the same state. Hannah's been under the radar because we got somebody from the same class with a higher sort of reputation kind of – and not in a bad way, but she's stealing headlines because Hannah, Hannah produced last year. She won a 3,200-meter – Title at CIF, and and she ran faster on the track as a freshman than Jordan Hesse and Sarah Baxter. So did Sadie. Sadie broke ten, but Hannah was not insignificant in what she did. So I think under the radar in a lot of different ways, but mostly because she has somebody in her same class doing just exceptional things. So I don't think we should make light of Hannah Thompson. I think she's definitely in in, in a in, in in a wheelhouse that will be able to compete down the line so really interested to see how she does moving forward okay as we teased last week national teams uh title hopes on the individual side we're going to get into the teams now on our side who are the top three title hopes on the boys side heading into the postseason Olivia
2: let me see I'll kick things off yeah all right number one I have Newberry Park and. Obviously, this past weekend, we saw them put together a very solid performance at the ASIC Clovis Cross Country Invitational with a 15 flat average. Lex and Leo and Aaron go one, two, three. Leo with a 1425, Lex with a 1431. Those are 202 and 200 speed ratings there. Aaron and Salmon, 1452. Uh, Braden Seymour, the transfer, comes in as the fourth fastest runner, 1534. And Devin Doshi, fifth runner, with a 1537. So, All these guys get in over with 179 speed ratings. So I have them coming in at number one. I finally feel like they put the team together. They put the race together as they deserve. And so number one for me. Number two, New Orleans Jesuit. I feel like we have seen them do such amazing things already this season. Again, I talked about them and their performance from the Nike Town Twilight Invitational. And their performance, you guys, could not go unnoticed. They took a solid win over Carmel with a 15-22 average, 41-second spread. And I remember remember talking about this last week, like that is a huge thing right there. That just shows the depth that they have, and they're able to get all five runners in really quickly. So New Orleans Jesuit, I have a number two. And number three, I have Carmel. And the reason why I have Carmel number three is because Cole Matizan has just been doing a great job leading this team. And again, he has four other runners right there. So they just came up short behind Jesuit From that same meet again just got edged out so for me it's just too close to call so i have newberry park new Orleans jesuit and then carmel uh as my top three
1: boys contenders
0: ashley what about you
1: olivia great picks again i always feel like we're in sync (laughs) number one for me obviously newberry park i mean i feel like we saw exactly what was expected maybe even better than what we expected from leo and lex at clovis over the weekend but i think The best storyline for Newberry Park coming out of that meet has to be Aaron Solomon. I mean, that 1452 there, finishing third, 194 speed rating. Like, we were just waiting for that, you know, to happen for Aaron Solomon. And now that you have that piece of the puzzle there, like, that's really important for Newberry Park going forward. You know, they do, you know, I will say that I don't think that Newberry Park is unbeatable. Like, they're not this, you know, powerhouse that just no one can take down. You know, I see areas where they could potentially improve, like, you know, closing that gap between three and, you know, their four and five runners and as well as that gap between their fifth runner and then the, you know, six and seven because that in order to be comfortably a national title, you know, favorite going into, you know, whatever national meet they choose. And I, so I think that, you know, obviously they're number one, but there is some improvement, you know, so that I can see going forward. Number two, New Orleans Jesuit. Like, like Olivia said, you know, I think these guys <laughs> – They're a totally different team from Newbury Park. Like, I think they could be dangerous. I mean, they have no real star like Newbury Park with, you know, Leo and Lex, but their depth is just incredible, and that can play a huge role in cross-country scoring, you know. They have just a 23-second spread between their their top runner and their fifth runner. That's the difference between a good pack-running team and an elite team, and that, you know, placement matters so much in cross-country. You can have a guy that's, you know, running – Thirteens for all I care in a five k, but if your next best runner's coming in at seventeen minutes, that does you no good. So when you have you know your top five all there right there together, that's going to be kind of that x factor for you know New Orleans Jesuit going forward and lastly, number three, like Olivia also mentioned Carl <laughs> you know, I think Cole Matizen is just such he's such a consistent star for them, you know. They were second only to New Orleans Jesuit at Nike Town Twilight a couple weeks ago, but they did post the fastest team average of that meet with a 15:21. And, you know, I feel like if they can get a, just a couple more of their guys closer to Matisse, and like I look at Anthony Provenzano, he's run 15:02 this season, and Charlie League, uh, you know, he's run 15:19. If you get them close to that, you know, 15-minute mark or something kind of close or comparable to it, depending on, you know, the course that they're at on any given day, I think that could help them in their hunt for a national title.
0: And I think you have here down here a little bit about CBA as well. That's right. What what are your thoughts on CBA?
1: You know, there are some teams that I feel like are kind of on the cusp. Like, I feel like CBA has emerged from New New Jersey as this team that's like, I mean, I don't know if we necessarily saw it coming, but they've just they've dominated every single meet that they've been to. And so I think there's someone that, if they continue building on that confidence going forward, the rest of their season, they'll be in that national contention. I also look at teams like Harriman and, you know, Carroll out of Texas. Carroll has just a nineteen second one through five split and that I think that could prove deadly if we're going back to that narrative with you know with Jesuit with having a really small right. top five spread. You know, I think those are all teams that could be potential dark horses right. nationally.
0: I, I agree on the first two, Newberry Park, Jesuit. My third one diverges a little bit uh and I'll I'll get to that. But with Newberry Park, I think the most dangerous man on this team is probably Aaron Solman. I think we can agree that uh leo and lex comfortably might go one two in a meet i mean we know we have other national title hopes like Roggy Hanson, Simeon Burnwell, all these guys but leo and lex in a team competition are going to go one two we kind of i think we can agree on that aaron i think if he's a three if he's a one two and then he's a three guy then it's a lock they win in any meet that they get into if he falls a little bit though i think that's where you could have potentially have questions because you know, a team like Jesuit has really talented runners uh, like Braden Mullen who stepped up, uh, Jack DeRoches, Michael Vocky. If all three of those guys really develop into stars and run together as a threesome and maybe maybe insert themselves in front of Aaron Salman, then it could be a conversation. But saying that, Aaron Salman went 14-43 at Clovis last year, 14-46 at State, and then 14-14 at Running Lane this guy is 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 incredible and i don't think we've seen the best of him yet he he to me is the x factor for them because if he makes that a one two three race they they win um you know hands down and then Devdashi, dashi braden seymour obviously they gotta run well too they can't drop off if they drop off that really hurts displacement for newberry park um and i think that impacts them but you know Jesuit has it as a tighter core but uh they they do need some guys to maybe elevate this a little bit more to make it closer Portland Jesuits my third uh I like Carmel I like you know CBA hairman but Portland Jesuit last year if we remember also ran 14:58 for team average at running lane they were the third team under 15 minutes uh, overall Jacob Nanau and Gus Cleavenger are amazing runners they they came off and performed Uh, really well at Nike hole in the wall and won that team a big race uh, this past weekend I think they are a team always going to be in the mix and I think sneaky team to be right there in the top three so I'm going to pick Portland Jesuit here let's go on to the the girls now who are the top three national title contenders on the girls side I will start with how how about this I'm going to start with Ashley this time and then we'll go to Olivia, see if you guys still agree on the same three. Let's see. Let's go Ashley first. (laughs) Sounds good.
1: Let's see if Olivia agrees with me. All right, number one, I feel like, you know, it has to be Buchanan out of California, you know, even though they didn't finish on the team side this past weekend, you know, at the Clovis Invitational, you know, had some of their top girls battling, you know, illness. That one meet doesn't define them. That doesn't define their whole season. They're still good, and they're going to be good come Nationals. They have the fastest average in the country thus far of seventeen twenty four. They have a solid thirty-four second one through five spread. So they run fast together and they like as a group, like they don't have you know, the obviously they have like Sydney Sungren, he's just kinda of leading the way, but they still have a really solid group. And those are the t- two keys that when you combine that together, that makes for an unstoppable team. So, number one for me, Buchanan. Number two, I'm gonna go to NIWOT. I think they they've dominated as of late, you know they dominated a loaded field at Desert Twilight, including in-state and miles split 50-ranked Air Academy, who has been one of the best teams in the nation thus far. They had a 17:54 average there, and they currently have just a 33-second 1 through 5 spread, so similar to Buchanan. There, they have you know a group of girls right there together, and their top two, and Madison Schultz and Mia Proc, you know they appear to only just be getting started. They have they had their season best at. Uh, desert twilight of 1736 and 1739 after what kind of looked to be more of a conservative start to the season. So I feel like you, you know, as we continue on to states and nationals, you're going to expect to see Niwot to continue some of that progression. And lastly, number three, I really like Mount Prospect out of Illinois. They have been on the rise since September. You know, they had a big team win against a competitive field at the Nike Town Twilight meet a couple weeks ago, a 132, 133.2, excuse me, average speed rating that's the highest so far of the season of any team on the girls side they have a top two that can run together as well which you know if you have a top two that are right there neck and neck that can prove deadly they have Haley Erickson and Veronica Najja who have run 1741 and 1742 seasons best respectively 37 second spread again in that 30s range for that one through five spread and you know they've already kind of gotten a preview of what it's going to be like Competing against some of the nation's best at the Nike Town Twilight Meet, and they came out on top. And so, I really like Mount Prospect going into the rest of the season.
0: I really like this on the cusp team to Cuthbertson.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I yes. am.
0: I am a huge fan of them right now. Uh, they're coming off a a massive performance this weekend. Do you want right. to touch
1: on them at all? Yeah, they. So Cuthbertson out of you know that Charlotte area down in North Carolina. They had their most impressive performance to date at the Union County Championships this past week. Now, they didn't they were scheduled to compete at Great American, but obviously due to Hurricane Ian that was, you know, canceled. And so they decided to go all out at the Union County Championships and they now have the fourth fastest team average in the country and the third best point total in the nation in the the national team scores. So I really like Cutherson. I think they're kind of they're kind of moving up there. They're under the radar, but now they they're on my radar at least, and I think Corey's too. Yeah. And I also still really like the Flower Mound squad out in Texas. You still have a strong top three in the Humphrey Sisters, as well as a surging. Alexander Fox, and so I think they're going to be a factor come nationals. However, I would like to see them kind of close that one through five spread that they have.
0: Speaking of which, I think Olivia has a little bit to say about Flower Mound. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Olivia, what are some of your thoughts on your top three?
2: Well, I I really think Ashley and I just really agree on a lot of things. I have Buchanan, and you know Ashley really hit it on the head there. Like they they look solid. They look very consistent. I'm excited to see what they do. I feel like they have proven to be a national caliber of a team. So I agree with Ashley. They are Buchanan, number one. Number two, I also agree with Ashley. Niwot, they look pretty solid, especially after their – their rates at the Desert Twilight Festival, 33 seconds spread. However, where we differ a little bit is that number three team, and I know she just touched on Flower Mound, but I really see Flower Mound putting something together. As she mentioned, we have the, the Humphrey sisters looked really solid. Again, Alexandra Fox is that key third runner there. I, I must agree with Ashley, though, that fourth and fifth runner, it, it, they need to definitely figure out a way how to kind of close that gap a little bit and really – uh, decrease that that spread that they have, but nonetheless, I, after their performance from the Nike South as a team, they clocked a 17.51 average, put down 43 points together. So I have Flower Mound coming in as the third team. For my on the cusp, I have Cuthbertson down here. They look really solid. We cannot forget about Cherry Creek. They've been very sneaky good. Um, I thought I feel like they're my silent hawk when it comes to the girls' team rankings here. Like you just don't know what to kind of expect, but they have shown hey, we can kind of put a solid team together. Also, I have Saratoga Springs down. We, I'm just waiting for something to come together from them. And also South Lake Carroll, Prospect, and York are also teams that I feel like could really add some flair when it comes to the girls' team rankings. So for me, very similar to Ashley. We got two out of the three, Buchanan, Niwot, and then for me, I have Flower Mound as your third team there.
0: Awesome stuff. I think last week showed that any team can kind of win on a day because, you know – carol carol lost a lot lovejoy last week and carol i think based on averages and 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 performances before that was sort of the favorite right but on the day if you don't race well you can lose so i think you can touch on that with all of these teams if you can isn't healthy they could lose if niwatt doesn't get some of their underclassmen to run well they could lose uh saratoga springs needs depth if they don't get that piece that they need They can lose. So it really, it's a a much closer, I think, race on the national level on the girls' side than it is the boys. Um, And saying Mm -hmm. that, I, I like Buchanan as one, but if they're all healthy and ready to go and they're running their best. I think Niwot, I would put Niwot at 1A because at this point, I'm actually going to make a leap and say I think Niwut's going to end the year as the best team in the country. They have eight girls, not just five. They have eight girls that are within 60 seconds of one another. And they do have stars on their team. Schultz and Proc are star level. So that's dangerous to me. Um, I think they're really dangerous to have depth and to have star power. So for me, I think Niwut can really make a run. If Buchanan's healthy, I think they're the best team. But Niwut's definitely there. Saratoga Springs is is right there with me, too, because we have to consider, you know, I think most of the teams might go to Team Nationals in Portland, right? And mm-hmm. some teams perform better than others. Saratoga Springs has proven to be a great cold weather, you know, uh, wet, conditional team that can perform uh, at that meet. They, they know how to win. They definitely they won in 2019. Them, like Vail mainly is, really come up and they shine in those moments so if but saratoga doesn't have a five right now if they develop a five in two months i think they're there so i think saratoga springs i'm not i'm not counting them out at this point i'm i really not uh they do need to to figure out some pieces but i think they're definitely there uh but we will you know we'll keep track of this stuff as it as it uh prolongs over the season And i think we're really getting interested in, in some of these storylines coming together Uh, I think our resident social media pro here, Ashley, is really excited about this next segment.
1: Yes, I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is the coolest things we saw on the gram this weekend. We're each going to pick one thing we saw on the gram, and we're going to go into why we think it's awesome. All right. I think I'm going to go to Olivia first because Olivia, (laughs) right right from Manhattan, I think she got something cool.
2: Right from Manhattan. I must say I saw the best handshake ever. Um, so Gabby Putman and sister, uh, they just, they, and Kate Putman put it together. So here's the video. And I must say, I was actually doing an interview and I saw this in the corner of my eye. I wrapped up the interview. I'm like, ladies, wait, wait, wait. you got to do that one more time. I got to grab this. So they, they were so awesome and they allowed it to like do it again. Like, tell me this is not
1: awesome. That's like very well choreographed. It's very
0: intricate. Yeah.
1: Like have you ever tried to do a handshake with someone like really intricate like that? Like yeah. it takes some some practice.
0: I think you have to it have does. that like that piece in your brain that allows you to sort of remember Yeah. Like not everyone can be a dancer, right? I think it requires something like i don't know i i could never do it um i i I have a very simple handshake with like my best friends and that's about it but i don't get into it maybe we need
1: like a mile (laughs) split handshake like that like a a little three person handshake yeah i like it (laughs) yes absolutely i vote yes for that
0: all right that's good stuff i like it um all right ashley what do you got here
1: all right so now i found this on instagram technically it was posted a couple weeks ago but i saw it over the weekend Now you guys probably don't know this, but I do because I am, you know, a social media person. So on the gram and on the talk recently, there's been kind of this viral trend almost where um, cross country teams are going viral for taking videos of you know their runners before the race and then after the race, like literally right after the race. this. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 So there, this is a good one that I found from the Grandview High School cross country team from Aurora, Colorado. Let's check it out. It's pretty fun. Hi, my name is Grace. And this is yeah, for before us. the race. Yeah. Hey, go. My name is Grace. Good job, girl. Hi, my name is Ashlyn. This is me before my race. <laughs> my, name, my name is Ashlyn. Oh, you go. And I, and I just finished my race. Good job. Girl. Hi, my name is Emerson. And this is me before my race. <laughs> I'm Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> and this is me before my race. Good job, girl. What do I
2: say?
3: <laughs> hi, my name is Annika. <laughs> okay. Hi, my name is Anika, and this is me before race. Uh, hi, Hi. This
0: is me after my race. I'm Drew. This is me before my race.
3: <laughs> <Hey>.
0: <laughs> What's up, Drew? I
1: love we can get it. to him. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> so, like, I think it just perfectly encapsulates the the pre-race, like, oh, let's do it, and then the complete exhaustion. If you've ever finished a cross-country race, like, your head is like, like you're loopy, like everything. Yeah. So kind of
0: funny did have is that the first time you you saw that version of that meme or a version of that video
1: no i've seen others
0: not about cross country
1: oh no i've, I've only seen it with cross country okay it's something that's yeah. really come up in the past like couple yeah. months yeah mm-hmm. all right
0: well if we have any uh, adults listening to this high school cross country podcast uh that didn't start with cross country there's maybe a little bit more of a r rating version of that uh with uh something else uh including you know maybe maybe what you know parents do at night when they want to before they go to bed uh but (laughs) i've seen that uh in other ways before uh but it is funny uh and kind of hilarious um all right uh i picked a meme um i i you know i can relate to memes here so if we, we throw this on screen right here uh, me waking up at 8 a.m. from my 6 a.m. run and all out of sorts here, uh, it, it made me laugh uh, hysterically for a lot of different reasons. Um, one, it's just a funny meme, uh, but but two, um, I you know I remember my days when I used to have hair and you know it used to be like this. So I'm I'm looking back nostalgic about having hair once and you know it being all messy. And then um, two, this is Big Ed. Do you, do you ladies know who Big Ed is?
1: I do not. I was gonna say I can't no. say I do. Oh,
0: he is—he is, he is a, a character on *A Ninety-Day Fiance*, a, a very legendary character that continues to be on that. show. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ninety-Day um, Fiance? Huh? Yeah, Ninety-Day Fiance. It's Big Ed out of San I, Diego. I've seen
2: a few episodes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay.
1: Big Ed. Yeah. All right. I can't we, say I've seen. Got it. it
0: he's he's a funny guy and he actually lives in san diego uh you know we'll be in balboa park for for champ sports championships so i remember last year we were driving around and i think olivia was telling you i was like are we gonna see big ed are we gonna (laughs) see big ed (laughs) um
2: i remember it now yeah
0: that's funny all right cool uh we are going to move on to our next segment which is the crater twilight 5ks which are taking place this weekend in crater on the track Fast 5Ks on the track, a little bit outside of the cross-country season. And we could see some history, history being made here. Uh, Olivia, I'll go to you first. What are some of your thoughts heading into this big event?
2: Yeah, this is a really exciting meet. I'm looking forward to see the performances that come about it. And as you mentioned, Corey, it will be on the track. Imagine running a 5K on a track. It's fun stuff. So just kind of thinking about what happened last year, Tyrone Gorzy, who is the defending champion, he went 142930 and completely dominated this field and then also went 1408 at the USA track and field U20 championships in the summer. And he's already gone just on the cross country course 1443 at the end of September. So Tyrone Gorzy, I think is someone that could really push for another sub 15 performance on the track over the weekend. His teammate, Josiah Tosseson, he finished second last year. He went 15.03 and then went 13.57 for three miles at Woodbridge. So again, this is another athlete I feel like could potentially break 15. And then another athlete that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks on our show. and. Um, Corey also did an amazing feature on him. Alexander Garcia-Silver, third. he was the third fastest runner last year, clocked to 15.06. And then just this year during the cross-country season at the Prefontaine Memorial Run, he went 14.45 and also went 15.19 at the LGFA meet back in May. So once again, we have some amazing athletes potentially could see some sub-15 performances on the track. I think that's a really great place to start. It's going to be tough. It's, I don't think it's happened quite often. So it's a big big stretch there
0: yeah and i i should add here too Gorzy is trying to break 14 minutes on the track he's not yeah. he's oh, not wow. just trying go. to run sub 15 this guy is going for it all out uh trying to break mm-hmm. 14 minutes ashley uh with that being said i mean um do you how many do you think we could get to break 15 any any other thoughts on or, or analysis on some of those athletes too
1: yeah, I think Olivia did a great job breaking down some of those top three guys. You're going to have Gorzy, Garcia-Silver, Josiah Tostenson. Like, I think it's – I feel like it's a pretty – I'm going to say it's a pretty solid block for me that at least three guys are going to go sub-15. Like, and realistically, I think Gorzy sub-14 is certainly not out of the question since he ran. I mean, he ran 14.08 over the summer on the track, especially when you, too, consider – there's a big difference between running a 5K on a cross country course and then running on a track. These guys have already ran yeah. in the 1440s. Uh, you know, Tossenson ran right on that 15 minute mark on the cross country course. So then, when you have, it's easier to get into a rhythm. Obviously, it's flat, and you're going to have all these guys working together. These top three, I would assume, and so I think that's going to push them into you know some elite level times on the track.
0: Yeah, I think as long as they can get into their their rhythm, their pacing. Yeah and really can find find that and, and start just getting after it, um, I think it's possible. But, you know, at times, 5Ks on the track can be a little easier when you're coming off of the grass uh, yep. because you have a, a very defined surface. But I think, you know, mentally they can be a little bit different too because you got to get locked in for 12 and a half laps, whereas in cross country you got to get focused throughout almost. It's like you constantly have to be focused – Whereas, like, you can, I think a lot of athletes sometimes can lose focus on the track, you know, as the race gets gets going. But, I mean, all these guys are very capable. Uh, Gorzi going under a 14 would be one of the few guys ever to do it if he can. Garcia Silver, um, I think, is, is really looking to do something special. That 1506, as Olivia mentioned, last um, last year at, at Twilight, he also went 1519 over the outdoor season at a meet uh, called El Jefe. Um nathan stein is another athlete that um justin loftus told me who's going to be there he's he's a really capable runner uh who's run 15 35 uh in october already this year and um i don't know i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with three under 15 i don't yeah. know about sub I, I i'll say 14.05 for Gorzy.
1: Interesting.
0: I, i'll give him 14.05 but i think that's going to be really tough in the cross-country season to go sub-14 there. Um, Interestingly mm-hmm. e- enough, uh, four guys went under 15-10 last year, so I-, I do think it's possible with a lot of these seniors here. All right, one last segment to get to. It's the National Meet of the Week. It's the Milestat Invitational uh, in Virginia at Paul Green Park, uh, the upper version of this course. Um, it's going to be a fun meet. A lot of great athletes going here. Olivia, break it down to me what's happening here at Milestat.
2: Let's break this meet down. It's gonna be a big, big meet for sure, both on the girls and on the boys side. We have two defending individual champions who will be returning once again. I'm gonna start off with the girls. In the on, in the girls race, we have Ty uh, Raleigh from McLean. She's also due commit. She set the course record last year in a 1727. And just listening to her, her interview with Brandon Miles, uh, she said that this race was really big for her last year and it gave her a lot of confidence and for her, this is going to be her season opener. So, again, another athlete that we have on the honorable mention that I've just been kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Here we go. Uh, Tyus Raleigh is going to be lining up once again and looking to defend her title. However, she also was someone that competed at East Bay last year, and there are two other individuals who competed at East Bay as well that could add some flavor to this meet. You have Allie Zeeland and Maddie Gardner. And Gardner was the runner-up last year uh, with a 1737 set of personal best, of 17. 13 later in the season Allie will actually be competing in the community open race to kind of start today and she has a 5k best of 1721 which she ran last fall however just looking at the competitors that Raleigh will be facing another athlete we've been having conversations about Leah Stevens of Our Lady of Good Counsel out in Maryland she enters the meet with a 1721 best from the Adidas Cross Country Challenge she finished ahead of New York's Kate Putman, so this is a girl that is your defending Maryland private school state champion. She finished seventh last year in this race. So she's definitely going to be someone that wants to improve on this course. Another athlete in the another girl that I've been keeping my eyes out for is Sailor Eastman of Battlefield. She is your defending 6A state cross country champion. So far this season, she has run a 21-12 for 5k so i'm looking this is going to be a great opportunity for her to have a really great race because she's going to be competing against as i mentioned a handful of athletes who will definitely be able to put together some really strong performances i can see sailor really be in the midst of all that so does anybody have any feedback when it comes to the girls race before we kind of dive into the boys
0: yeah ashley you can get into uh raleigh if you want to
1: yeah, yeah. I'll mention Raleigh. You know, she, like you said, she's that Defending Girls champion. She's making her season debut. You know, it's it's October. You know, I think, you know, as we, you know, Brandon Miles talked to her earlier this week and in her every kind of learned that, you know, she's been going on some recruiting visits and such. And so that kind of made her start this season a little bit later. But now she's going to be looking to defend that title. She was an East Bay Nationals finalist, you know, a year ago. So she's going to, really go after that she has that course record again 1727 that she set last year so look for her to really take it out in the girls race and like you said you know you have other good talent like leah stevens who beat kate Putnam at adidas cross country challenge um back in september so i think it'll be a really cool girls race to watch i'm gonna move on to the well actually first Corey. anything else yeah yeah,
0: i got i got a couple (laughs) things uh so the the course record here is 1727 as you said with, with thais um, but only three girls have ever broken 1730 on the upper course here. So it's not the easiest course to run on. Uh, Thais was one of them. Juliet Whitaker was another one of them. Both of those girls were, are Foot Locker, were Foot Locker qualifiers. Thais is coming up on her senior year here. But I, so I think you know, if you perform well here, you can – you know, the history tells us that that will uh, basically be a, a good sort of uh, predictor of success down the line. Uh, so when you look at it, I think Leah Stevens is the one runner here that I feel like can really have a standout showing, and I think people shouldn't sleep on her. Um, she's out of Maryland, she's gone seventeen twenty-one, but I really think she is a really great talent that uh, has as a strong ability to, to to win this race. I mean, I think you know, looking at her times last year, even. Um, she was 90 seconds faster at Adidas XC than she was at that point last year. So she's improved significantly year over year. So I, I definitely wouldn't sleep on her. And then with Allie Zeeland, too, I mean, we saw what Allie Zeeland did over the track season, indoor and outdoor. This girl's a stud. Um, you know, ho- all, homeschool sanctioning aside, where she can't be in this race, she's going to be in the open race. I still think we're going to see a really great effort from her first three races 1925 1815 1749 it looks like she's just rolling down a hill as she keeps going down this season so I could see something really good from Allie Zealand on on the girls race here Olivia if you want to move to the boys race
2: actually I think I'm going to pass it off to Ashley I know Ashley has some really hefty
1: notes there so Ashley why don't you kick it off for the boys and I'll I'll fill in the gaps there Sure, yeah, so similar to the girls' race, you're going to have another defending individual champion returning to this field at the Invitational this year. We have Charlie Ortmans of the Potomac School he won last year as a sophomore at this meet this was his breakout meet last year he dropped a a 5k pr at the time from 1635 down to 1524 to win this meet last year he recently opened up this his season with a win at the oatlands invitational in 1519 in late september so look for him to be the favorite however there's a lot of other good talent in the boys field want to point out nathan Achu of franklin county he's also a top boys seed he has a 15-minute PR last uh, last year from running lane, and he's run once a season, 15:19 for second at the Knights Crossing Invitational. He's a recent University of Tennessee commit, so I think he could be up there to challenge Ortmans, but we'll see. I think it'll be interesting to watch.
2: Olivia? Yeah, Charlie,
1: as we, we mentioned, is your defending
2: champion, and so far this season, he's clocked a 15-19 at the Oatlands for a new 5K personal best. As Ashley mentioned, Nathan, Achu is someone to definitely keep out for. There's a handful of other boys that will be in this race that can also challenge for that title. You're gonna have Pierre Agobi, you're gonna have Connor Rutherford, who's competed so well during the outdoor season at Adidas. And he's just looking to just continue that progression during the cross country season. You also have Berkeley Nance, you have Owen Schifflight. Like there's just so many other boys that could really challenge for this this title here. So it's gonna be a really strong boys race, that is for sure. Corey, how about for you? Who are some of those boys that you're looking out for this weekend?
0: Yeah, all respect to Atchu and Shiflet, but, you know, if Ortmans is as good as we think he is, nobody's challenging Ortmans in this race. My only thing is, how good is Ortmans on this course? As I mentioned on the girls' side of things, obviously not very few girls had had kind of got to that threshold of sub-1730. On the boys' side, only three boys have ever broken 15 minutes here. Waleed Sullivan. Daniel O'Brien, and Jonathan LaMogda. And guess what? All three of those guys got to Foot Locker Nationals too. So if there's a good a sign as anything, you're going to have some national success and qualify. This is it. So Charlie, you know, if you look at the, at the history, if you do well here, you got some good signs that you're going to be in, in the, the realm of all the other national contenders here. I think a lot of people are really excited by this guy, in a lot of ways he's very underrated um people don't know a ton about charlie ortman's yet from the potomac school but um his last yeah at oatlands obviously the drew hunter comparisons were there and now if he, he runs in a way that maybe he, he could he could be compared to Walid solomon and both those guys are pros now so it's like i i think there's a huge huge promise with this guy and i'm um if he does what we think he does i think he's gonna really make a statement and um you know at ran 1603 last year if he breaks 16 huge win here i think if he goes anywhere 1530 on huge success Shiftlet's a, a big returner as well as you said you know if they run well great but i am looking at ortments to see exactly what he can do and maybe if he can develop into a star here so that's my storyline to watch all right it's been a fun show a lot of great stuff. We're going to have a lot of action on milesplit.com over the next week. Uh, anything in particular that you two want to shout out or, you know, you're, you're, you're looking into this week?
1: National rankings. Be on the lookout. Individuals <laughs> dropping yes. later this week. <laughs> See where people move.
2: All right. Olivia, anything with you? Rankings are on my mind right now. So
0: okay. stay tuned. How about you, Corey? I mean, uh, just maybe the the film we just published on on mile split on monday uh profiling uh ali ostrander i mean olivia i don't know if you want to mention this right now uh um what are what are your? can you just get into that a little bit
2: yes so over the last couple of months now I know so many of us have been just waiting for the release of this amazing film. Ali Ostrander has been battling with an eating disorder and so this is just showcasing how prominent eating disorders are in our sport and you know you're not alone when it comes to it so there's definitely resources out there and I feel Ali and a couple of other girls have just been very open about their stories and they want for people to learn from their stories as well. And so I think it's just a wonderful piece. And thank you so much, Ali, for just your time and just being open and being brave. And again, definitely take a look at it. It's on milesplit.com and you can definitely check it out for sure.
0: Absolutely. Cool. Great stuff on milesplit.com. Give that a look. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday, as always, on the line. We're looking forward to talking to you again. See ya. (laughs) we <laughs>